I'm glad to be with you today. Uh, we're continuing in our series going through the New Testament gospel of, of Mark. And the purpose in this series, we talked back when we started this, the purpose was really to sort of behold Jesus, to lift him up and to put him in front of us. And ultimately, when we do that each and every week, it's my prayer, it's my hope, it's my desire that at the end of this, we'll see Jesus as clearly as we've ever seen him. And that we would be sort of looking in, almost in a mirror type of thing where we're looking at a reflection of ourselves and comparing ourselves to Jesus and maybe making those changes along the way. So we are over halfway through this series and we'll be in Mark 11 today. And this is a big transition in this gospel uh, because this is the last week of Jesus. In Mark 11, he transitions into the last week. And so Mark spends six chapters talking about one week. One week, a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff in there. Now, let me ask you this. If you knew you only had a short time left, what would you say to others? Right? You wouldn't just shoot the bull? Right? You'd only say some very, very important things, only the things that mattered. And when you look at Mark 11 through 16, there's a lot of stuff in there. And so many important lessons and teachings from Jesus. And so what I want to do as we're preparing for Easter, you know, that's coming up. Um, and we'll look at some of the more things that we're familiar with, some of the more stories around Easter. But I want to really focus on some of these important teachings that Jesus taught, these things that he, he said. And so we'll do that over the next few weeks. One of the main things in this series, we talked about this in week one, because Mark talks about it in chapter one, is that Jesus said, follow me. Jesus said, come follow me. He wants followers and so we've been asking ourselves, well, what does that look like? You might be new to the faith. You might not know anything about the Bible. Um, and you might not know anything about following Jesus. There's a lot of people that are in the same boat as you. You might know a little bit about what the Bible says. You might be a little familiar with following Jesus. But it's good for all of us to know because that's what he asks for. So what am I supposed to be doing as a Christ follower? What is my life supposed to look like? We've talked about several things. Some of the bigger things Jesus said himself are deny yourself, right? And that's what it looks like to follow Jesus is that you end up denying yourself and you put him and others in front of you. We've talked about faith as well and how it takes faith to even enter into a relationship with Jesus but then it takes faith each and every day of our lives. It takes trust as well. And today I want to talk to you about this. I want to talk to you about fruit. Fruit. Um, about our lives being fruitful. Now what does it mean to be fruitful? We hear that a lot. Some of you may have an idea of what that means. But it means that we have something to show. Right? Uh, there's, a, there's a result of our relationship with Jesus. There's something more than ourselves. There's something more than what we used to be, right? And if you're still not sure what being fruitful means, and it doesn't mean successful. I know that uh, according to the world, if you have a, a worldview like that, this world tells us that man, if your life's fruitful, that means success, right? Um, but a biblical worldview, a godly worldview defines it very differently. So I think you'll get a better idea by the time we're done today. But why should we be fruitful? Why, why be fruitful, right? I mean, it's, isn't it just enough to 
place our faith in Jesus and that's, that, that's it, right? Well, I want to look at three reasons why we should be fruitful. Uh, the first one is this, and you can write this down if you have a pen. Being fruitful is an expectation from God. Um, it's an expectation. It's, it's, not an, it's not optional, in other words. As a matter of fact, God said from the very beginning, be fruitful and multiply. Wow. Uh, first command in all of the Bible is be fruitful. Now, you know, we got the multiply thing down pretty good. I got it down great. But you, the be fruitful part, well, I mean, we need work on that, right? Um, we know all about expectations. We, we, we know that. If you're in a job and you have a role, you have a certain position, you have a job description, those are your expectations. And we all know those. Parents have expectations of their kids, and kids, you know that because you get yelled at every day. Uh, my kids do. Anyway, you have expectations. Um, those are a little more than, than options. That's not optional. Marriages have expectations, right? If you're married and, and you have expectations, you know, have supper ready when I get home. Um, wait, y'all don't? All right, I guess I'm old school. Have the laundry done. Right, have the house cleaned. <laughs> Angela has a lot of expectations of me. Okay, <laughs> see y'all, y'all fell right into that. No, but, but seriously, Jesus takes this seriously, takes being fruitful very serious. He doesn't just recommend it. He expects anyone who wants to follow him to be fruitful. As we get into our passage today, Jesus, in, in Mark 11, Jesus enters into Jerusalem, right? He makes his grand entrance. He rode in on a donkey. That's the story that we are all familiar with. The crowds were celebrating that and shouted, Hosanna. People were taking off their jackets and coats and laying them down in front of him. He makes his big entrance. And, and the thing is, that didn't last very long. He, he goes in and goes to the temple and uh, leaves. You know, end of day one. And so this, this is where I want to pick up at Mark 11, verse 12. The next day, as they were leaving Bethany, so Bethany is the town outside of Jerusalem where Jesus and his disciples stayed when they left Jerusalem that first day. Um, they were leaving Bethany. Jesus was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves because it was not the season for figs. And then he said to the tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. So this is a strange passage, isn't it? Um, but it's an amazing lesson that we're going to learn today. And teachers, if you're teachers, you're going to appreciate this technique. It's called the sandwich technique. 
All right, we know what a sandwich is. It's, you know, you got bread on top and you got something like meat or something here and then you come back to the bread. That's what this technique is. This is Jesus' technique and it's amazing. So he sort of throws this introduction in here to get you wondering what and then he circles back around to talk about it later. But he talks about a fig in this. He uses a fig, a fig tree, and these have been around a long time. Really since the Garden of Eden where the fig leaves were used as the first fruit of looms. Okay? Y'all remember that in your Bible? All right. Figs today are classified as a superfood. Some of you health nuts will, will know that already. They're, they're so good for you. It's the highest mineral and fiber content of any fruit, nut, or vegetable. They are packed with calories. There's so many health benefits to them. As a matter of fact, I, this surprised me when I read this. A person can surpri- uh, survive on just figs and water indefinitely. That's, that's amazing. They're, they, these are life-saving fruits. That's what they are. So as Jesus was leaving Bethany, it says he was hungry and he saw this fig tree from a, from a distance and it looked good from a distance. And he's thinking, well, I'm going to go to this tree and I'm going to get me some of that good life-saving fruit. Well, when he got up to it, there were no figs on it. There was no fruit on it. And what he did was he cursed the tree. And, and his, it, Mark's very clear here. His disciples heard him. You know, he didn't just do it under his breath. He did it just so his disciples could hear him. Now, you might be asking, what was Jesus doing? Was he, some of y'all had a bad morning this morning, right? Was he having a bad morning? You know, did he not take his medication that morning? Maybe he needed coffee, right? I curse everything before I get coffee. Here's a, Here's a good question. Did he not know that the fig tree didn't have fruit? I mean, this is Jesus, the Son of God. Knows everything. So why did he react the way he did? Hmm. Well, he was, this is all part of the technique. He was teaching his disciples a lesson. He was showing them an object parable or an illustration. Uh, when Chad talked last week, I just thought about this. Um, Jesus did an object illustration with children. He did this with children around. He sort of used them as props. He said, you know, these children are important. And he, he actually got a child and, and laid his hands on them and blessed them. So he taught a lesson with an object there. And he's doing the same thing with this fig tree. And even he goes on in just a moment to do this with the entire temple there in Jerusalem. He uses, he uses it as, as a lesson. And we're going to read that now. Verse 15. On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. So just, just right, off, uh, right up front here, I just want to tell you the fig tree represents the temple. Okay, the fig tree we just read about, it represents the temple. It represents all Judaism. It represents Jerusalem. Um, 
Jesus was clearly upset here. He was, he was very angry. Why was he? Well, the temple ha- had been turned into something it wasn't supposed to be. It was actually it turned into more of a shopping mall type of thing, a place of business rather than a place of worship. And so this week is very crucial, this week that, that Jesus entered is Passover week. And so more than any other time of the year, there would have been more people in Jerusalem than ever. Hundreds of thousands of people in Jerusalem from all over would go there. And so when you went to Jerusalem during Passover week, you, you did sacrifices. And so rather than bringing your sacrifice, bringing your animal with you from a long distance, you could just go to Jerusalem and buy the sacrificial animal there. Okay, No problem with that. Jesus didn't have a problem with that. The problem was that they were doing this inside of the temple courts. And the problem with this is they were being dishonest in their money exchange, you know, the currency. They were cheating people. And so um, there's another reason that Jesus got upset. It's probably a lot more important. It's in the next verse, verse 17. As he taught them, he said, is it not written, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it into a den of robbers. Now I want you to notice the phrase there, house of all nations, house of prayer for all nations. Okay. From the beginning of time, God has been a God of the world. He has. Of all nations, the people of Israel were God's chosen special people, but their role was to point people to God so that the nations would come to know the one true God so that the nations would come to worship the one true God right but they never ever achieved that purpose all throughout scripture they tried they would fail they would do good they would fall back and this whole thing with the temple with where it was now as we read this it was sort of like the last straw for Jesus They set up this business enterprise in the temple courts, which happened to be, if if you're familiar with this, um, which happened to be the court of the Gentiles. What that means is that court was reserved for Gentiles, that area. So all these stands, all these places, all these things of business were set up inside the area reserved for all nations. And what happened is it was a barrier. It, it kept the nations from coming to God. It was a barrier for nations to worship God. And this is why Jesus was so angry. Look, God doesn't like it when we make it difficult for people to come to God. And that's why we try to limit things that keep people from coming to God here. I know we're not traditional, and that's why. We want to make it as easy as possible for people to come and to know the one true God. We, we want to remove those barriers. In the last chapter, when Chad taught, Jesus said, no one should prevent children from coming to him. Right? God doesn't like that. And this is essentially what the temple was doing. And so he came in, and he just brought judgment. He really did. He cleansed the place. He cleaned things up. How would they react to that? Verse 18. 
The chief priest and the teachers of the law heard this and began looking for a way to kill him. For they feared him because the whole crowd was amazed at his teaching. And when evening came, Jesus and his disciples went out of the city. This is just, this amazes me. Supposed to be people of God. They were so far gone, instead of repenting, they got mad. And the religious leaders, the supposedly highest representatives of God to the world, rejected him and sought to kill him. Do you see how this is related to the fig tree? I look, it looked good. The temple was so amazing. It looked good from a distance, but when you got close up, no fruit at all. They were fruitless. There was nothing to show. Verse 20. In the morning as they went along, they, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots. So they're leaving here and they see, you see the sandwich, he, sandwich technique? He circles back around. See the fig tree that he opened up with. They, they see the same fig tree withered from the roots. This is the next day. Anybody like to have that round up? You know? That's some good stuff. Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. And they're they're looking at this thing, and it's just gone. It's just destroyed from the roots up, which if it's destroyed from the roots up, it ain't coming back. It's completely destroyed. And so it's interesting. When we read this, Jesus cleansed the temple, turned things over. And things never were the same after that. And just a week later, a few days later, Jesus would be on a cross. And when he gave his final breath, I mean, the earth shook, the temple shook, blocks fell. The veil was torn top down. The tree was cursed from the roots up. The temple was never the same. As a matter of fact, in 70 A.D., it was destroyed completely by Rome. So you're thinking if this is around 33 AD, you know, 40 some years later, no temple. It was so thoroughly destroyed that one block is not left on another. All the precious metals, the gold, the silver in there because of the fire, it melted. It sort of went into the blocks and the bricks. And so looters and stuff, you think the toilet paper thing is big? Their toilet paper had gold in it, right? (laughs) This is amazing to me. Jesus did this and and, and judged the temple. Now, we can look at this and say, well, that's a cool, cool, you know, that's that's neat. This should open our eyes to understand how important fruit is in our lives the truth is god will not set back and allow our lives to go unfruitful i know we think we're safe i know we think we're good but that is not what scripture tells us now we don't have to fear condemnation there is there is no condemnation for those who are in christ jesus but you know what there is Judgment? Uh, Hey, I I got something to tell you. All people will be judged. 
All people. You know what else I got to tell you? Discipline. That, that's what the Bible teaches us. Uh, Hebrews tells us that the Lord disciplines those he loves. He's not going to sit back and allow our lives to be unfruitful. That's pretty important to hear, isn't it? He expects us to be fruitful. But listen, let's lighten the atmosphere a little bit, okay? In reality, we should want to be fruitful. Why? Why? Let's, let's finish out with two reasons here. I'll, I'll go fast through these. Being fruitful is a benefit to you. It's a benefit to you. Bearing fruit is beneficial. Look, we're all about benefits. You know, what do we discuss with HR at work? Hey, I don't need to talk to you about my benefits. Yeah, we'll have those conversations all day long, right? If I came up to you personally and said, look, I know of, of a way that you could have a great life right now. You can, you can. You'd at least be interested in what I was saying, right? That's the way it is with fruit. Being fruitful is a huge benefit to you. As a matter of fact, if you're not fruitful, not only are you, are you not doing what you're expected to, to do, but you are missing out. You're missing out on God's favor. I want you to remember this little equation. Fruit equals favor. Fruit equals favor. Fruit means life. It means growth. It means Health, and I want you to think of this with me. It's a very simple illustration. We are in southwest Virginia. We know agriculture. We know farming. If, if a farmer has a tree or plant that is producing fruit, what is he going to do to that? He's going to take, he's going to take care of it. He's going to feed it. He's going to provide it nutrients. He's going to make sure that that thing is watched and cared for and protected Man, if, hey, if he's got things over here that are not producing fruit, what's he going to do? Get rid of them. Get rid of them. Hey, look, look, and listen, just real quick. God isn't, that's not saying God's going to get rid of you. It's not saying that. He's just saying that this plant is serving no use. I'm going to put all my resources and all my love and all my effort into the one that's bearing fruit. Wow, what a great lesson that is. Look at this, John 15, 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. Whoa! How do you like that? What an amazing verse. Jesus said here, I appointed you to bear fruit. There's some that's strong language there. You see the expectation there? I chose you. I made you. I commissioned you to bear fruit. God expects that. But then there's this. We bear fruit, and then what? Whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. That sounds like a good deal, doesn't it? Y'all are quiet. You're waiting to hear what I'm going to say, aren't you? <laughs> Look. Let me take a drink of water first. Does God give us everything we ask for? How do you know? Because you've asked, right? Yeah. I don't know of anybody that has to ask God for something that he didn't give them. He, he doesn't do that. Look at my head. 
right? Some of you go to your uh, high school reunions, you're like, man, I'm glad God didn't uh, give me what I prayed for back in high school. You know, that girl, that guy. (laughs) Um, There's so many things that, listen, this is almost funny, but it's not. There have been so many things that I have prayed for that God did not give, okay? And, and I know you're, you're in the same boat. I know there are many things that you have asked for that God did not give. And look, some of those are very serious. Some of those are, involve health, life, well-being. God doesn't give us everything we ask for because he loves us more than we can ever understand. Okay? He knows us better than we do. And listen, kind of what I said in the beginning, ultimately, this place isn't our home. It's not. We, we have an eternal destination. The, this place is marred and tangled with, with sin. We have a better place. We have a better life ahead. And that's what we have to look forward to. So I don't want to, that's, that's probably a completely different sermon that we might get to later. But this isn't a blank check. God's not a genie who, who, who grants every wish we have. But the key here is, is God's will in this. And Jesus even prayed this when he taught us how to pray. Right? Um, God, your, you, your will. And he prayed in the garden. Not my will, but, but your will. First John says, ask according to God's will. And he hears, Right? The key there is God's will. Well, how do we know what God's will is? That's probably another sermon too. But I will tell you this. In Colossians chapter 1 verse 10, Paul talks about that as we bear fruit, we grow in the knowledge of God. He connects those two. The more fruit we bear, the, the closer we grow to God and the more we know about him and his will for our life. So there's a key here. We all want to know the will of God. We all want to be praying for the will of God and what that looks like. Here's something that'll help you. Be fruitful. Be fruitful. So the whole point in this is God wants to bless you. He doesn't want to judge you. He does not want to discipline you. He wants to bless you. He really does. So being fruitful is a benefit. Last thing, being fruitful is a blessing to others. So it's a benefit to you, but if you are fruitful, it's a blessing to others. When you think about it, who's the fruit for anyway? <laughs> you know, the tree doesn't grow it for itself. It's, it's, for, it's for others. So what that means is, if you're still kind of questioning what, is, what does fruit look like? We are to act in certain ways and do certain things that bless people, that show people love and that ultimately glorify God and point people to him. That's what our lives need to be. Galatians 5.22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. You know, once you become a Christian, 
these are the types of fruits. And it's not an uh, exhaustive list. This is just saying these are the types of fruits that need to be evident in your life. Are they? These are the things that people need to see in us so that they may come to know God. And Paul goes on to say there's no law against these. In other words, there's no limit to how much of this you can do in your life. The more you do, the better. And if we're not doing these things, look, honestly, we're not acting like real Christians. We're not. We're not doing what we were supposed to do. The truth is people are out there and they are spiritually hungry. And so we need to be producing the fruit that gives life. And we are not just to look like Christians, but we are to act like Christians. It's doing things beyond yourself to bless others and to bless God. I pray that we would just not look like a church on the outside. You know, when you drive up here, you can pr- pretty much see that this is a church. Most churches you can, especially with the steeple and the signs. And I pray that that's not how people know we're a church. Let me read you a card. This is a thank you card, not to me, it's to you, to the church, uh, from a guy named Smitty. Um, Don't know his last name, don't know his real name, but Smitty, um, he he was part of the disaster relief crew that came in, uh, a vet, former Marine, um, long beard, tattoos all over him, pretty rough guy. but just a really cool guy to come, to come in and, and get to know. To the folk at Community Heights Church, the folk meaning you, thanks for a place to lay my head. Thanks for food, a shower, worship, and fellowship. Y'all are wonderful, caring folk. May God bless you and keep you. You know, that's somebody that's never been here before. Um. And we could have easily, and, they, and, and the lady just told me last week that a lot of churches don't do this for them. But he was amazed by how good we were and how hospitable. That's fruit. That's how our church can show fruit. That's the evidence that we are Christians, that we are a body of Christ followers. How can you outside of here as an individual do that um just this morning i stopped and got some uh gas and some gum uh and i was hoping to get hand sanitizer you know surely at a gas station you know back in these little creepy corners they got the little small things no i asked the lady i said look i'm i'm not one of the hoarders i said i'm one of the regular users that keep this in my car and I'm the normal guy and the normal guy can't find anything anywhere you know and she said I'm sorry we're completely out and so I paid for my stuff and was getting ready to leave she said wait a minute she said um I've got one here in my purse that that you can have and she said that um she got the last two in the store for herself and so she gave one to me. And I'm thinking, I look in the, in the news and I see what's going on with all this stuff about grabbing and, and buying in bulk and me, 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 me. 
and what she did for me. I, hey, man, that convicted me. I got to thinking, would I do the same? Little things like that is how you can get beyond ground level and get heaven's level. You see what I'm saying? Down here, people are acting one way. You can act this way when you do those things. Um, I want to read you a story. <clears throat> try to tell it to you, but it's kind of long, so just bear with me. I saw this, and I just had to share it. There's a girl named Nicole from Minnesota. She stopped at a gas station. She was on her, uh, had recently been on a flight from California, but she stopped at a gas station. She noticed a man at a gas pump, and he was staring at the pump, and he was crying. He was sobbing. And he was parked there, and his wife was in the car. She had her hands to her face. She was sobbing too. And he, uh, Nicole noticed that there were two teenage girls in the back seat, and they were covered with a blanket. It was 10 degrees outside in Minnesota, very cold. The man was at the outside at the gas pump in flip-flops, pants that had holes in them, just looked really raggedy. And the girls were in the back. The car wasn't running. The girls were in the back seat covered up with a blanket. Teenage girls, not, not babies. Teenage girls. Nicole went up to the man and asked him what was wrong, you know, what was the matter. Hopefully we would do the same if we saw somebody like that crying. He said with tears in his eyes that he couldn't provide for his family, that he, his car was completely dead, out of gas, wouldn't, wouldn't go, and his card got, just got declined at that moment. Nicole immediately put her card in the pump and told the man to fill it up. And, and she told him about Jesus in that moment. She used that moment to tell him how much Jesus loved him. And that because he showed so much love to her, she could not uh, neglect or prevent from doing that to others. It just blew the guy away. Um, the wife got out of the car and and was wondering what was going on, so it allowed her and Nicole to sort of meet. When Nicole saw the wife, she was dressed the same way, raggedy clothes. Nicole asked her to come to her car. She had clothes in her car. It just so happened that the airline lost her luggage. And so as she got back home, she's waiting on the airlines to return her luggage. She didn't have a lot of clothes to wear at home that fit her, so she had to go back to her closet and begin to you know, clean things out. And she took things out that she didn't wear anymore, and she just put all these extra clothes in the back of her car and just drove around with them. She forgot about them. She motioned to the wife to come and pick out clothes. The wife just immediately went and started picking out clothes. And Nicole said before she knew it, the two daughters were back there doing the same thing, putting clothes on. And this caused such a commotion that other people noticed. And before Nicole knew it, another guy had came up and gave them some money. A woman noticed what was going on and went into the gas station and bought a gift card. Another man came up and had a really nice leather jacket, a leather winter jacket, a really thick one. Took it off his back and gave it to the guy. Man, all this happened in just a moment. You want to talk about um, how contagious this virus is? Look, let me tell you. You know what else is contagious? When somebody is fruitful. And we show the love of God out there in our communities, it starts spreading like wildfire. Truly, 
truly amazing when we start pointing people to God. One person can do that. Uh, I remember when I was in Costa Rica a couple of years ago. By the way, we did cancel our Costa Rica trip this year. But I was there a year and a half ago. And we were out and I was teaching at one of these schools on top of this mountain. It was crazy. But anyway, I looked off in a distance and uh, I saw this tree. I saw this tree. True story. And with this fruit on it. Beautiful fruit from a long distance. I'd never seen anything like it before. And I asked Jeremy. Jeremy's the son of the missionaries that we support there. Like, what? What is that? And he kind of had to look because it was so far away. And upon uh, close inspection, he said, oh, that's a mango tree. Anybody like mangoes? They are awesome. All right, so I said, look, can we, go, can we go get some mangoes? You know, he said, yeah, sure, let's go. So we, it's a long way. And, and look, there's no, like, fields in Costa Rica. It's all mountainsides, okay? So it's a long Long walk, we kind of had to go up a, up a hill a little bit, you know, and I'm thinking I'm going to fall down, you know, and, or at least uh, twist my ankle or something. But anyway, we got up to the tree, and when we got up to it, I looked, and the whole mountainside was nothing but mango trees. And I, I started noticing all these little crews of people working. We had just stumbled upon the second largest mango farm in Costa Rica. Listen to me, all because I saw one tree. Your life, if it's fruitful enough, can lead people to the kingdom of God. That's how important it is. There's one more reason, I'm gonna close here. One more reason we should be fruitful. It's because God is fruitful. And Jesus is the fruit of God. He gave them to us freely. The Bible says that he is the first fruit. He did that because he loves the world, John three sixteen. And you know what that means? He loves you. He does. And if you don't know him, man, cry out to him today. Give your life to him. The fruit, we talk about how good the fig is. You can last for indefinitely on that. The fruit of God, you, you, you take that, you last for eternity. That's life-giving fruit. And it's free. He paid for it with his life. For those of us that are Christians, that are Christ followers, I pray today that we would start being intentional about producing fruit in our lives because Man, that fruit that we got from God should spill over into this world. That's how we should be. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for the worship. Father, we thank you for the message, the truth that we are able to discover in your word. You're not hiding things from us uh, you've given us all that we need to know through your word. And we thank you for your spirit leading and guiding us to some amazing truths this morning. Father, help us to be fruitful. 
Help us to understand that you expect that from us, that we are to yield uh, lasting fruit, fruit that is good, fruit that will point people to others. Father, help us to realize that it's a benefit to us that as we produce fruit, we are doing what you've designed us to do and what you've appointed and called us to do. And through that, we, we grow in our relationship with you. We grow in our knowledge of you. We begin to learn more about you and we begin to understand what your will is for our lives. Father, help us to realize that being fruitful is a blessing to others. And ultimately, we see that uh, Jerusalem and the temple, and, and they just never really became that light to all nations that you wanted them to be. Help us to realize that the plan hasn't changed. You still want us to be a light to all nations, a light to all people. Father, make us wise and give us the strength and the, the, the guidance to, to see opportunities all around us to be fruitful so that others can see that one tree and enter into the kingdom of God. That is our prayer this morning. In Christ's name we pray, amen.